everyone. It is episode 355. Can't believe it. Of this is whole life. And that number brings us, unfortunately, to the end of Holy Encounters and Reasonable Doubt. So did the Reasonable Doubt also apply to all three messages, or was this just for this one? I think you can apply it wherever you want to. Can I? (laughs) It's a free country, Randy. That's the kind of leeway I'm looking for. Yeah, it brings freedom, right? (laughs) There you go. There's the truth. Well, I really liked the way we kind of worked through these and and I mean, I, I've concluded without reasonable doubt that this is not the last time we'll hear from Melanie from the front. Am, is, am I safe on yeah, that one, Yeah, I'm not going to let her ever preach again because <laughs> oh, uh, it's oh. a threat to my uh, <laughs> my preaching here in whole life. I'm, I'm pretty sure if I let her go much longer, I won't be allowed to come back and preach. <laughs> no, see, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know if I believe that because this morning when we got to staff meeting, there's there was a genuine smile and kind of relaxed Ken that we haven't seen for a while. So the time off... <laughs> I think the time wow, off, Randy. Okay, I think the time off did you well, don't okay, you think? Yeah, so? I think it did do me not well. That he, you know, not that Ken's not pleasant all the time, but it was just like, hey guys, it's okay. I, I hear you. I, I I hear you, Randy. I feel I, good. I, I, I mean, yeah. I've had. I was away it's from hard y'all. to put that toothpaste back. In the <laughs> <laughs> Ken was nice. <laughs> Well, no, but it yes, was, it yes, was a it was a lovely, lovely break for me, and That's it awesome. was even made better by the fact that just just three fantastic messages. You know, I, I think we yep. always have good messages here at Whole Life, but um, man, Melanie was outstanding, outstanding. So, this of course was the last message by Melanie Zacchaeus Bachman. <laughs> I thought. <laughs> That made yeah, me Yeah, I think that, that was made me the laugh other really. part. I have to really, readjust all the cameras to a I really <laughs> I, I don't think we've had that many sermons in a row where we really got to know. I loved I loved every single one of them, but I did I also liked the the getting to know you side of it. Yeah. Thank you for being transparent. Yeah, I think that's an important thing. Yeah. It I was think fun. It, it like it takes more than one sermon to to really <laughs> get to know somebody as far as that goes and <laughs> So all of you that are dating right now, do a sermon with each other, but don't stop at the first one. That's yeah. what I recommend. That's 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 how Rochelle picked me. So. Yeah. 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 That's why my three. husband sticks around, because I preach at him all the time. So. <laughs> well, it also it also brings... I'm looking here through our paperwork, and I am seeing at least two questions from Ganacheville Tim, who was oh, sitting on the front row you know. every all three weeks. That's a good guy, I, I put guy. him there so I can keep an eye on him. But, Is that what, I, but yeah. he still sent questions. He still so he still sent still sending <laughs> questions. That was awesome. When we came up, you know, the I just kid, wonder why he can't ask them at home. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure it gets answered. <laughs> now we have now there's peer pressure to answer these questions. During second service, I was doing a little background work that I do for the website every Saturday morning, and uh, my Ellie came in my my office door and she sat down here where Ken's sitting and. She looks, and it wasn't that they were having to adjust the cameras; it's that they were having to go. Uh oh, Ellie is commentating as she <laughs> as she house directs and she uh, runs cameras on occasion. And she's like, "Oh, come on, camera two, keep moving, keep moving. <laughs> oh, oh cam- camera one, we've got to move her. Keep going, keep going." And so she she noticed right away that had she been on duty, that it would be a little more it challenging. Would be extra keep work. up. Yeah, they might Melanie. have to tape my feet yeah. to the floor next time. Yeah, I mean, when Andy was here, they actually would actually walk just away, lock the cameras down, <laughs> and they would you know go to the bathroom, go get a drink, go do whatever. It's like we don't have to be back for probably about 20 minutes. He's not going anywhere. So anyway, all of that to say, I think you saved the best for last, if that was possible, after the first two weeks. 
Because I think what you hit on as we started talking a reasonable doubt, and this was the first one that at least I had a feeling or an inkling of where we were going. And I felt like that's where you ended up. Mm. But did I did I write this down right? Because I listened twice and I, I think I may – I want to make sure I get this right. Were you saying that 30% of the Christian population, which is the largest percent of the population, are leaving – in mass exodus from the church. Is that what you were saying? Is according that the research? To the, according to the research, one third of the population is in the um, done category. Ooh, 30% in the done category. Is this the American population or the world population? That's a good question. The... Yeah, I don't think it's the world population. Uh, they didn't specify whether it was the Christian population or the um, United States population, but they said one third of the population. Maybe I should write them and ask that question. Hmm. Either way, it's startling. That is a big number. I mean, that's just a. I mean, if you think about it, because I believe you turned that into seven million in the church across the country. I think is what you said. Were the almost duns or the doubting Thomases? Yeah, that's the that's the research out of the University of Northern Colorado. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jeff, you've been at this church a long, long time. Do you think that there's ever been a time or where, like at this church, that's been anything close? I mean, regarding uh, Exodus. Like regarding, that. yeah, or the people that you would, with kind of your role, I feel like you'd have a little bit of a, your finger <laughs> on the pulse of, you know, are people with the one foot out the door, the almost done, they've only got one. Well, I do know that there was a, there was a figure given to us a, a number of years ago, and this has nothing to do with our particular church, but there's about roughly five, I think 5,000 or so probably a lot more now, but a few years ago, it was around 5,000 members in the Orlando area. Okay. Seventh-day Adventist members? Yes. Okay. And then um, they they kind of figured that there was probably another 5,000 that had already left the church of Mm. ex-Seventh-day Adventist. Well, and the interesting thing is with the pandemic – 24% 24% of members have not come back since the pan- since the pandemic. Um, yeah. yeah. That seems about and right. And so that 7 million number, you know, we still don't know because we can only have snapshots of research with the fluctuations. But it could be that a good portion of those 7 million people use the pandemic as an escape hatch and maybe won't be back. So, I mean, that's kind of a question mark still that we're we're waiting to find out. I think that if we were to do a survey at Whole Life, I think that I feel like that if Whole Life didn't exist, that a large portion of the people who attend here on a given week would not be attending a Seventh-day Adventist church, and maybe another portion of them might not be attending any kind of church. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah. I think that's accurate. Well, the, but that's anecdotal, obviously. Well, that's sure, just my but impression. I don't remember ever having an exodus at this. If you're asking about this church, there's in my close to 30 years here, I've never seen an exodus like like those kind of numbers. But sure, I mean, you know, it's that, Florida that, people. I mean, people right. migrate and move in and move out. I mean, that's a, it's hard to know. That's yeah. part of everyday life in Florida for sure. But I don't feel like there's any like there's a big group that or. You know, that are just sitting here going, I think I'm about done going to church. Or I feel like people genuinely have been searching for a church like Whole Life. And well, I think, to be honest, in, in listening to the sermon, and I feel the same way, I think what we have tried, and I'm not going to say we've done, been perfect <laughs> at it, but we have tried to be real with 
you know, real means having doubts. So we have tried really hard at this church to be very, very candid about our realness, mm. that we are not going to apologize to the fact that once in a while a pastor, once in a while a leader, once in a while a member, we're all going to have doubts. Sure. We're all going to have those times where we go through. And by the way, those may last for a long time. Yeah. So I'm... And maybe, I mean, and not only will it last a long and it's time, okay. but sometimes there is a deconstruction that takes yeah. place in a reconstruction, and that's okay too. Yeah. That's, that's one of those things where... I don't think we should try pull. I like Melanie. It's interesting though, as we listen to the questions that came through, and we're probably going to deal with this in some of the questions, is that there is an uncomfortability that you probably saw in the questions of people saying, "Well, we can't stay there too long," mm -hmm. and I'm I'm thinking that perplexity might be the best place to be, hmm. uh, in, in especially in this level of understanding how I can, you said deconstruction, which I thought was really good. That's a great word. But I do think that harmony, uh, that's what Brian McLaren would call that, um, that kind of bringing about what happens after mm -hmm. this perplexity time. And he says, there needs to be a stage where you figure out how to harmonize some of those, uh, those levels that are somewhat doubtful. Interesting. Yeah. I might have to push back on Brian yeah, a little bit on that, just because you may not be able to come to a place of stasis. You may not necessarily be able to come to a place of harmony. You may have to develop a comfortable comfortability within the tension that doesn't ever yeah, completely I, harmonize. Well, and yeah, I, I don't know if you've read that book called Faith After Doubt, but it was it was that actually. Mm, okay. It's the ability to suspend your doubts and have them actually, in a sense, create a sense of, I'm okay with this level of doubt right here. Right. I wonder right, if, right, if right. I'm, what I'm hearing from Melanie in the message that I heard this, I wonder if Melanie were writing that book, she would call it uh, Faith During Doubt. Yeah. Instead of After, after Doubt. Because yeah. I think that one of the things I kind of heard her saying is that, you know, sometimes doubt doesn't really, sometimes we're so, we want to doubt to go away and be replaced with faith. And, and there's a Christian church where like let's 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 get that doubt going, let's get that out of here, and let's let's return to faith. It's a good point. And so, well, and I would, so I would, I think that part of part of the issue that we have when we talk about things like faith and doubt and belief is that faith and belief are often used interchangeably; they're used synonymously. And whereas I would say that faith and doubt are the companions, because you can't have faith unless you have doubt. If you don't have any doubt, then it's belief. Mm -hmm. But if you, just like you cannot have courage unless you have fear, you cannot have faith without doubt. If you have absolutely nothing to doubt, you have no reason for faith. Well said. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's another one of those mirror things. Our mirror is getting full here at the podcast of things we should remember to remind ourselves <laughs> of, you know, the dashboard. You know, you have to start moving on to maybe your work desk now and start putting things there. But that's really good because I, I my, my question was, I think it's the unknown of that time that you spend in the doubt where there's no answers, there's no clear path, there's no direction it just feels like you're kind of hanging out in limbo waiting for something 
Is is it a a nudge from God through your daily Bible reading? Is it God speaking through a friend? Is it God speaking through your family member? Is it you just and and when those don't come, you just kind of sit there and it doesn't feel like there's any any growth or any movement, but I don't think that's true, but I also don't know how you would measure like because if you doubt if your doubt lasts for f- 3 years or 4 years you had to have had some mm-hmm. kind of growth during that process but how do you judge it during that time because i think that's really the the question that everyone's trying to answer during that time is am i making any progress or am i am i still worthy of anything if i'm still in this kind of limbo space i remember about 15 years ago, we were in a pastor's meeting and it was a pastor's meeting at a retreat. So the wives and families and everybody was there. And um, one of the wives stood up in very, almost uh, in a desperate voice because there was a a great deal of questions that were going on in the, in the meeting that we were having and questions about how we're going to handle certain things. And finally she stood up and screamed, in a way, screamed, um, uh, could somebody just tell us what we're going to do so that I know what to believe? Mm. And and I think there it, it took me by surprise. It, just, it was a gasp. And I think sometimes we get extremely paranoid when we when there is that side that is not answered. And mm-hmm. in, a, in our avenous culture, that has been sort of the way we've thought that we have to get all, we have to get all the answers down and we have to get these things taken care of. We can't have any loose ends out there. And after Melanie's sermon, I think those, it's going to become more of and more of a realization, hopefully at this church, is that nailing down things like this may not be the way this church works. Nailing down those things to tell you what to believe in. I like the fact that you said we may have to question some of the things that we've always thought as. You know, we have to we have to question some of those things, and that's maybe a good thing for but all. But then of she us. said, "Letting go of them." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, we're going to question, and we if we find something different, and I wonder if if that I'm sure it's part of the inaction part that may make it take longer because it's like, well, you couldn't possibly mean that I'd have to give this or I'd have to change my mind on this on certain things that you've maybe held for decades. I mean, that's not an easy thing to just, you know, kind of tear up the tear yeah. up the script and throw it away and then do a th- 180 and go back the other direction either. That's a tough path to go down. It is, but there's so... A guy by the name of Thomas Kuhn wrote a book called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. And he talked about um, the way that scientific paradigms change. And I think there's something of an analogy that could be applied when we're talking about religious faith and, you know, religious belief, religious doubt. And that is, um, well, let me back up a little bit. When I was doing uh, some research, I was looking at all of these psychological, you know, studies that say that people gravitate towards certainty you know people want to be certain they want to be confident they want to feel secure they want stasis 
And I thought, well, why in the how in the world if people what people crave is certainty, then why do we have, you know, a third of you know Christians calling themselves done, leaving something that that they used to feel certain about for the unknown? And that's what I was reading over and over in these anecdotal these these exit interviews of people who are saying, yeah, I would rather be in a place where. My questions are not answered than than be where people have all of quote unquote the answers. Yeah, and I was trying to figure out why that was, and then I then when I I read this other book and I started realizing that when you get to a certain place where it is more uncomfortable to stay than it is to experience the possible discomfort of change. That's when the transition happens. That's when that paradigm shifts. And so I think when it comes to evaluating something that you believe, when you finally come to a point where it's it's less comfortable to live in the certainty of, of the thing that you've been believing than it is to let that belief go and embrace, even if it's the unknown, the tension actually is relieved when you let go of, of that thing that's not bringing you certainty anymore. <clears throat> And I think that's why when you read the stories of people like, you know, John Steingart and Joshua Harris and Marty Sampson, some of these other people, they will describe a sense of relief, a sense of peace, a sense of, you know, of openness. And I think what is happening psychologically there is they've grown so uncomfortable with the answers that they know aren't real answers that it's actually a relief to let those go. Hmm. and then be open to the next thing, whatever that next thing is. Wow. Those were three really, really good examples. I only knew one of those. But but then to to think about how much the pressure is on in their status where you have, you know, fans and people that have looked up to you and all this, and there's that other expectation that's involved. And then to just come out and say, oh, yeah, by the way, this is not how I feel anymore and then to feel almost a sense of authenticity to finally be telling people this is who I am and I'm sorry if this is who I wasn't long before you knew that this isn't who I was. And I think that that's a – finding that peace, wow, that's a that's a big deal. Right. And I think especially because it takes people months or sometimes even years to deconstruct to that point. And so if you spent the last few months or the past few years feeling like a total fraud, like a total fake and trying to pretend that you believe something you don't actually believe, mm-hmm. the sense of being able to say, you know what, you're all are going to yeah. hate me, but at least you'll hate the real me. Yeah. Which one was it that said, I wish – like what you guys are telling me in the forums and stuff that, you know, God would speak or God mm-hmm. would do. So I wish that was the case because yeah. then I would know or I would feel comfortable or this would validate me somehow in this process. But yeah, that was John Steingart. John, yeah. Oh, he said he because he, he said his parents had been praying that God would reveal himself to him. And he said, yes, I wish you yeah, would. Yeah, I would love that if it happened. I prefer that there was a God. But, you know, in the meantime, I have to be honest. Yeah. That brings me to when you knew we were going to be doubting Didymus is or deconstructing Didymus. I think, I think, it, I think it rhymes <laughs> nice. better than I like Thomas. That. Yeah. A little alliteration. Um, yeah. So I thought that worked better. But the thought of when we look at the anything from the Israelites to, you know, being in communion with God in a in a, a real physical kind of sense, and of course the disciples in a very physical sense, mm-hmm. hu- human sense, 
it's always, well, it's got to be easier. I mean, they were there. And, and you went into detail about Thomas saying, look, you were here. Did we not just go through this? Didn't you see this happen? I did these miracles. And yet here you all are. We're on the mountaintop. And there were still some that they didn't believe. They weren't sure. They were. They had questions. They, they had doubt. Mm-hmm. And after all of that, to then have Jesus just go like, okay, we're all, you guys ready now? This is it. We're, we're sending you out. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And he it did. And all of this happens. And then you said, so why would we assume that people who doubt need to take their mess somewhere else? Hmm. And I thought, man, if there was ever a, a, a message for someone who just thinks like, I don't know, I... I think I know about this Christianity. I think I know about what the expectations are or, you know, people that seem to have it together and all of this stuff. And, you know, the truth that we all have our own messes that we have to deal with. And at least here, I think that's our attitude. We don't want you to take your mess somewhere else, Mm -hmm. you know. Bring it here and let's, you know, let's be uh, messy with us. Be messy, messy with, with the rest of us who have things to do. <laughs> Whole life church, be messy with us. Yeah. Right? There's our new tagline. Be messy. <laughs> Dude, we might, we might have missed out on that. That's pretty good, actually. Be messy with us. I like that. And I just, I really thought the the last thing that you talked about, beliefs versus truth. That's a that's a gr- <laughs> kind of a gray, slippery slope. What is my what is my true belief, and what is a truth that, and then which, what's the truth? Is the truth something I've been told and now I believe? Is the truth somebody else's truth or version of the truth? And I thought if there's something you can chew on for the rest of the week, that's probably <laughs> putting yourself in a place that you're comfortable with. What are my beliefs and what is truth to me? And uh, I like the way you came, you came at that. I haven't really completely wrapped my mind around all of it yet, but that's been pecking away ever well, I since. I think belief belief is is a, your understanding of truth. Belief is how you conceptualize truth. Belief is how you articulate the truth that you have. But that doesn't necessarily represent the truth, hmm. which is why, at least for me personally, I have beliefs and I hold those beliefs loosely so that if I am confronted with a truer truth, I am not so committed to this particular belief that I won't trade it for a truer truth. That's scary for some people. It is scary, especially I mean, if if that belief structure that you've made has to do with your culture, your family. Fam- I was just going to say family. Yeah, yeah. yeah, those are all Oof. pretty big anchors. Those are big anchors. The other part that – and, of course, the um, the revised Melanie version I thought was really good. <laughs> Be merciful to those who are deconstructing. People don't destruct the, don't destruct things that they don't care about, but rather the things that matter to them. And I think that's a perspective we can leave that message with. <laughs> that if you're doubting, uh, know that there's grace, you know, and know that there's it's it's okay, it's normal, it could be a while, all these things. But then for the rest of us who may be in a different area, be kind, be gentle, be patient. Yeah. Well, and I think I think you misspoke there because you said destruct instead of deconstruct, deconstruct. but I'm glad you did because <laughs> I think that people don't always know that there's a difference between destructing something and deconstructing something. 
It doesn't when, when we say deconstruct, it doesn't mean we're just taking a, a giant <laughs> plow and just plowing everything into rubble. It means that we're taking things apart. We're examining. And sometimes that means putting them up, up on the altar of sacrifice and determining whether or not they need to be part of your belief system or your or your uh, your faith journey. So that was probably a slip of me saying, just, just, yeah, way to go. Just but that was, but that was, I'm glad you did that because that <laughs> offered me the opportunity to, to distinguish between the two. No, I think that's, I think that's good. It, it also, I, I think for me, it, it makes me a little more comfortable with the process to know that sometimes it's not a, a full, we just have to throw everything out and start fresh. It just means we're taking pieces and parts of things that were truth, things that we're learning, things that maybe we've been told that we've never understood before. I mean, how many times have have you heard a message about Doubting Thomas? Mm-hmm. Doubting Didmas. Sorry. Doubting Didmas. And I think that, uh, you know, by the way, I, I had to giggle a little bit when you um, talked about present truth um, <laughs> and, and, and threw that one in there because for those of you who may Tom- not be familiar with that phrase, it's a very um, old phrase. Very old <laughs> phrase. Um, and it's used a lot by um, Ellen White in her writings. And it, it was actually, I think, particularly relevant to what you were talking about this week in the sense that, that Ellen talked a lot about that there was a truth for this day, for this time, for this place that needed to be heard in the world. And that that's why it was called present truth. It wasn't called, you know, the truth. It's called present truth because it is truth. But it's the truth that's particularly relevant for this time and this place. And you have to think that 140 years, 150 years later, that there is a present truth today that perhaps looks a little different than the present truth in 1888, in, in 1900, in 1844. And Ellen said something else that I think is that more Adventists ought to wrap their brains around and, and accept a little bit more. She said the truth is progressive. And I think that's a, it's an important thing for us to think about because a lot of us want the truth to be regressive. I can't tell you how many times in my ministry I've had somebody say, why can't we just go back to that good old religion? Mm-hmm. Why can't we go back to the way it was? Well, if you are somebody who believes the things that Ellen White has taught, which I do, then you have to believe that the truth moves forward. It doesn't stay static, and it certainly doesn't go backwards. And and so that means that we're going to, you would hope that as human beings, we would understand more and more and more as we move forward in our walk with Christ. And in and that over the the ages, over the decades, as the decades go on, that we will learn more and understand more. And I do believe that is what's been happening. And you certainly saw it in the in the Seventh-day Adventist Church and its birth and its growth. You know, the church that first came out of the Great Disappointment looked incredibly different than the Church of 1888, and it looked incredibly different than the uh, Church of 1904. And it looks very different than the cl- the church of 2023, and that's not something to bemoan. It, there are aspects of all of those things that were worth bemoaning, and, and I, I think there's things in our religion today that we should be bemoaning, but I think sometimes we get confused what those things are. So to, to the point that Melanie was making, I think that we all really ought to be constantly testing what we believe and what what 
what we understand to be truth. And, and instead of just saying, well, I, you know, that's what we believed 40 years ago. So that's what we're going to believe today. You know what? The, there, there would be no Seventh day Adventist church if we didn't have pioneers who are willing to put everything on the altar. They put everything on the altar. Those, the first Seventh day Adventist that created this church put all their beliefs out there on the altar, and they're like, whatever, we just want to know what the truth is. We're willing to deconstruct from our Methodist faith. We're willing to deconstruct from our Catholic faith. We're willing to deconstruct from our Baptist faith. We're willing to go ahead and really examine what we believe and then reconstruct around what we feel the Holy Spirit showing us and the Bible showing us and God leading us to do. And, and we can be grateful that we have pioneers that weren't afraid to do that. And, and we should not be afraid today equally to look and to ask God to guide and lead us into all truth. There you go. Mike. Bam. <laughs> Mike drop right Mike there. Drop right there. <laughs> all right. Let's get started into our questions because we have just about two full pages this week. Oh, wow. So we definitely, not all our questions, some are comments, but I thought the the dialogue that happened on our website and if you guys watch online uh please do always log into the website we try to put that little message on well we don't let you chat on i YouTube. did this last week it was wonderful yeah he did it he was ken, fun ken was in there hanging out with everybody <laughs> and if you go to the youtube you watch it there there's not even a live chat available and facebook we are trying to move you over so that it's easier to find all of them because it gets a little facebook isn't always good about telling you about missing comments and so then someone will say you didn't read my comment so Always on the website, wholelife.church slash live. All right. T. Cinco had the first comment. She said, the opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. Mm -hmm. Certainty is missing the point entirely. Faith includes noticing the mess, the emptiness and discomfort, and letting it be there until some light returns. And that's a quote from Annie Lamott. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow. Everyone was pulling out the big guns. Yeah. They were pulling out They were pulling out quotes this week. And right after that, that was... Um, Apparently, what the following was Ganashville Tim. Man, I wish you'd let him change it back to Nashville. Or as Stanley likes to say, front row Tim <laughs> since the last three weeks. So maybe he's going to go back to Nashville Tim now. Uh, we'll since, see. We'll since see. you're not going to be up front. Uh, what can be done to support and encourage the almost dones? Yeah, we, we did touch on that a little bit. Um, How do the almost dones know if they're not here already? Or they're searching and they might find us. How do they know this would be a good, maybe a good place to come and be an almost done here? Well, so here's how I think. And I don't know, you know, Ken and Jeff might have some other uh, things to add. But I think one is that you don't feel like you're not allowed to speak. Mm. You're not allowed to express something that you're trying to figure out. You're not allowed to ask questions. And I'm not talking about the little tiny questions that are sort of sanctioned. I'm talking about the big <laughs> questions that sometimes make people really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, if you feel like you can ask those questions and have conversations with people without feeling judged or without someone, you know, quickly laying hands on you and trying to pray for you or exercise you or something, or or if they if they judge you or if they, you know, that kind of thing. If you're not having that happening around you and you have a support of, oh, you know. This is a process that somebody is going through and we allow them to do that and we give them space for questioning as well as space for flourishing, then that's a good place to be for someone who's who's deconstructing. I think one of the things that and we've all talked about this in terms of our small groups and our classes that we do, our Sabbath groups we call them, is that 
we don't we don't do a lot of binary thinking where we you know where it's either a right or a wrong or you're in or you're out kind of a comment or answer and that's been that's been a little bit of a problem because sometimes we have people who have brought up you know well you're not part of this you know this denomination if you think that way right. or you know and we've created the, that kind of thinking and I think that's one of the things we can do is we can get away from that kind of in or out you know posturing ourselves with people because let's face it all of us it, you know could probably look at find a place where we were out where yeah where <laughs> well, it would cause us to be out yeah yeah so. I think this church, though, does a really good job, and this is just from my personal experience, of if you come in between first and second service, there's Bible study classes happening all over the church, uh, age-specific and appropriate. But I've been to multiple classes. I've taught some of those classes, and I've always felt like there was a degree, a palpable degree of safety in that when you hear other people asking questions, there's times where you're like, Wow, that, uh, you know, that took some guts to actually ask the question because you can tell they're serious and that they actually want an answer. It's not, you know, trying to play like I do here a lot, try to play devil's advocate and see if you can get someone to get a little flustered and double down, check, you know, go for it. Convince me that this is your position where it's more of an open dialogue where people have said, well, this is my experience and this is how I either – I've dealt with that in the past, or that's something that it used to really bug me. And then I found this, and that's brought me peace. Not to say that that's going to answer all your questions, but a very easy and open, even after services, lots of times the worship center is full of people going through what they just heard. Um, and Albert mentioned it today in, in staff last week. There was people all over the place in the worship center going, Doubting Thomas, huh? Let me write this down. I don't know if I'm, you know, I don't know about this. I think that shows that there's a willingness to engage in dialogue without having to be right or put somebody in a box. Well, and I think also, um, you know, I think for for people who are leaders or even preachers, that being comfortable with being disagreed with, mm. I think if you have people who say, you know what, I disagree with you on that, and and you're okay with it, like if you disagree with me, that that's all right. And what one thing that I I appreciated about you know the way that Ken presented the Follow Me series, of course the invitation was there, you know everybody follow Jesus, let's all follow Jesus, let's all be Jesus disciples. But when it came down to it at the very end. You know, it wasn't like, all right, everybody in this room, raise your hand if you're going to follow Jesus. Otherwise, you're going to be an odd person not raising your hand. It was like, all right, if you think you want to follow Jesus, if you're not sure about it, hey, take this challenge coin. If you if you're like all in, you know what? Take this T-shirt and commit to something else. But there was also room for somebody to do neither if they chose yeah. not to. And I and I think not having that kind of of loyalty test where it's like either you you know stand up for the whole thing or you're out. Um, is another way that makes this a safe space for people to be. Yeah, there's nobody counting from the video footage. That you, <laughs> right. didn't, you didn't take a coin or a T-shirt. Guy on the third row to the left. <laughs> and we didn't to, see you raise your hand. You're yeah. going to get an email from the, from staff. Yeah, that'll day. be coming soon. So, you know, I think, you know, I, I just kind of want to echo some of the things I've heard, but I also want to kind of put an expectation out that, because sometimes I'll hear people say, well, I don't feel like I can say, what I think in this Sabbath school or at this place, because somebody, 
And, and here's where I say, I, I think that there are some things that you aren't safe to say here at Whole Life. And I think we ought to be open about that. And I think one of the things that is not safe for you to do here is to be disparaging of other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you make those kind of disparaging, uh, cutting other people down because they don't share the faith that you have, or they don't see life the way that you do, if you make m- the kind of, uh, kind of mean, hurtful comments to people that aren't living the way that you think they ought to. That is not something that is a safe thing to do here because this is a safe place for all. If you have genuine questions about a topic, absolutely, let's talk about it. But if you're trying to score points on somebody else, mm, yeah. that's not okay. Mm-mm. It's not okay to to, to be demeaning, um, to, to come in with an attitude that you have nothing to learn and everybody else has something to learn from you, and so I think, I think we ought to be honest about that because there are I've 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 had some people over the years um, in my ministry that will be like, well, why does everybody else get to to say and you're giving me a hard time? And my answer usually comes if I've really pondered it through is because when what you're saying is being demeaning to another human being, or you're 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 pushing a viewpoint beyond somebody just being able to go, okay, well, we disagree, and, and, and you're not okay with there being disagreement. You have to keep bludgeoning with that that thought um, until you kind of bludgeon somebody into submission of, oh, okay. Um, and so I think it's important that that when people come to Whole Life, they understand that that there are some expectations in the conversation that, that we— that we understand that other people may not see things the same way that we do, and we don't demean them for that. We don't say, oh, well, if you don't, you know, if you're not vegan, then, then you know, you do not understand the full gospel. Well, if you think that being vegan is important, fine. Go ahead and share that thought. Share the things that—but to demean another person for not seeing it the same way, not okay. And so I do, I do want to kind of say that because I, I think— Sometimes when we, we say that we're open to all ideas and opinions, I want to be careful about what we say because I don't know that I am okay with with mean-spirited, unkind commentary and opinions. Um yeah. so yeah, that removes the safety from the space, basically, yeah. which is what we're trying to create. Yeah. yeah. Right. All right. Sharon Schofield said, well, it's more of a comment. Jesus purposely returned to answer his doubts, and he will answer our doubts, too. Sometimes we don't give God a chance to rebirth our belief. (laughs) And I think I agree because I think there's times when I know God's pushing me one direction, and I'm just like, yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm pretty good where I'm at, and I don't really think this is about salvation. So maybe I can just (laughs) – Maybe I can just stay where I'm at. And then later you come to realize that, man, if I would have just kind of been, eventually you finally, it seems like you finally end up moving in that direction and go, I should have done this a long time ago. Maybe God knew what he was doing. And well, I, didn't. I like the part uh, that she said about um, giving God time, because I think we are on God's timeline as much as we would like to resolve mm. all of our own doubts and come up with our beliefs and be, you know, have, have all the answers. You know, sometimes, sometimes we're waiting on God. And sometimes that takes time, and and we don't get to set the clock on that. But I don't sorry, like Randy. That. <laughs> I don't sorry. like waiting, <laughs> Melanie. I'll support Man. you in your wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I feel at least I feel better now. Uh, Anna said it's sad to think about, but lately it seems that at least from a public view, Christianity has developed a persona that is more political than loving. 
Is this feeding people's doubts rather than working to remove those doubts? Maybe about the effectiveness of being a Christian if if we're going to let political is certainly an angle, but anything that we would use as a wedge to be the non-loving that she's referring to, I think has to be, like Ken just said, you can have your opinion and you can you can be a part of the conversation, but if that's at the expense of somebody else, whether that's a, a political wedge or a sociological edge, whatever it is, I mean, that's the thing that we really can't we really can't do if we're going to be a loving community. Yeah, that's a tough one, and it's really too bad that uh, the the two words that are juxtaposed there is pol- you know politics versus love. <laughs> wow. You know, it's it's really too bad if you're thinking politically, which which means for the people. Right. If you're thinking about for the people, that that can't be somehow synonymous with love. Instead, it's it's created such a uh, such a hostility. That does seem. And yet it has. And yet, yeah. and yet here we are. Yeah. Yeah. I think we I, I I think we sometimes need to back up a little bit and and realize, you know, pol- especially if it go- goes into this political side, as to what's the motivation for me to you know, to be even listening to some of the, the thing because usually they're just sound bites that float around and all of a sudden we see it and we we, we kind of go, oh, yeah, that's um, that's something I can grab a hold of until you realize what it actually means. It means yeah. I'm starting to become exclusive, exclusive uh, to the point where I am now having to create uh, whole philosophies about, and you know, a certain demographic. And, um, you know, that, by the way, that is not, it's not just a new thing. This has been yeah. going on for thousands of years yeah so maybe my favorite comment of the day was from anonymous which said i think when there is doubt that jesus is about humility not humiliation Mm -hmm. and i was like wow that's really a good one if that's one that you can grab a hold of and and put into your thought process about when i when i'm doubting jesus is more about that humility than than humiliation yeah it's good. Yeah, That's really I, good. I really like that. And I, I do I see doubt sometimes as a posture of humility as well, because you're you're saying I don't know everything. Yeah. yeah. As a matter of fact, it it actually is I think it's part of humility. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, it, uh, Tammy was our champion in the chat. She kept things rolling uh, all this past she week. She gets extra points. She does get yeah. extra points. So thank it's you, Tammy. Because she can't roll on her own. That's I know. <laughs> she can't get here. <laughs> but she said, so many fret over the nuns, those who don't consider themselves a part of any religious group. Is this really as concerning as some try to make it appear? Or might these doubters simply be on a healthy journey with God and looking for a faith experience outside of what many Christians, communities, have become. And Anna answered that and she said, T. Cinco, that's why I'm here at Whole Life rather than in the Baptist church where I grew up. Because, hmm. you know, maybe I would maybe she was that 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 nun for a while and just wasn't wasn't feeling that acceptance or feeling that community that was there to support hmm. that journey. And so Anna, I am so happy though that that's why you are here at Whole Life yeah. Church. Good. Whether on if it's only online, I don't know if you're a, a a visitor or if you've been here in person or just someone that has been uh, found us online. But uh, welcome and yeah, thank you for being here. here. And I'm so glad that you're here and you found that. Well, and I think that's also a good point as well that um, 
the category of none, which is the people who check the none box, you know, when something says, what religion do you affiliate with? None. The none group is actually more complex because maybe it should be called the sums because people have different, um, different levels of spirituality, different things that they're, that they're exploring. And just because someone is done and they've left the church doesn't mean they're done with God. It means they're done with church. It may mean they're also done with God, but a lot of people are feel like they have to follow God out of the doors of their beloved faith community in order to preserve their faith, which is a really sad thing. And I, I can't imagine that would ever be the case a whole life because, you know, because we just want you to be here and we, we love you, but but I but there are people who say, "Wow, you know, I really want to follow God," and I I had to follow Him all the way out the door. I had a student who um, talked about her particular experience and how um, she she says she actually tweeted this long tweet, which I don't have memorized, but she said something to the effect of, "You know, you told me to follow Jesus. You told me to love people the way that Jesus did. You know, you told me to to process my spiritual journey." And then you told me, don't take that too far. Don't think that, that too far. Don't think that too far. And she said, if you if you really want me to follow Jesus, that's what I did. But I had to follow Jesus all the way out the door. And that was really sad to me that that she felt like that's what she needed to do. You know, Ouch. that there wasn't a place where she could follow Jesus and, and be with other Jesus followers. The concern that I have with the nuns, it is not dogma and belief systems. It's community. That's the concern I have. Because when people say I don't need church, to me that's like my thumb saying I don't need the rest of the body. Yeah, you do. You do need the rest of the body. You do need community. You may not need to subscribe to every belief tenet that a denomination believes in, but I do feel like that the Christian faith is a faith not of individuals, but of of community and togetherness. And that's one of the reasons why you call it communion. And so for me, that's why what denominations can do sometimes is so dangerous. I mean, the Seventh Adventist Church started off as what we called ourselves a creedless church. And Ellen talked about not forcing people to sign um, onto dogmas and beliefs, and yet we've sadly, in my opinion, grown in a bad way in that direction where we we tell people you don't belong until you sign off on all the same doctrine as everybody else, and and that's to me one of the very not good things <laughs> in religion because we need community, but we don't have. That doesn't mean we all have to see it all the same way. But we do need each other. We do need each other to be there. I mean, it's you just don't have to look through science too long to see that human beings are wired, hardwired for relationship, to be in relationship with other people. And for me, that's part of what I see happening in, in the creation story, that, that God creates us for relationship with him and with others. And so for me, you don't need a church or a denomination, but you do need a church, the community, the body of Christ. You need 
communion with other believers. And so that's for me one of the big things at, at Whole Life that, that's meaningful to me is to create a place where wherever you're at on your journey, you're welcome here. If you subscribe to every tenet of the Seventh-day Adventist faith, you're all 28 fundamental <laughs> beliefs, you're, you sign off on, and, and all the extra ones that are unwritten that we, that, we, <laughs> that we put out there, you subscribe to all that, you're wanted here. You're, you're, you belong here. You'll be given a place to belong and, and things to do. But let's be a place where people can find that community. Because you know, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches, and we have to be connected to each other and to Jesus to be a part of, of, of what I, the good stuff that Jesus has to offer. I agree with that. I think the only piece I think that I would throw in is that, I'll use a different analogy, marriage is an awesome thing. Mm-hmm. It's great when two people have a great relationship it's great when people have a flawed relationship, but they're working together towards something positive. If it is, to, if it's an abusive relationship where one person is beating on the other person, that's a, that's a toxic relationship, and that's going to continue to cause harm. And you probably shouldn't stay in that relationship. So I think, in terms of just kind of going back to my student and and the experience that my student had, you know, she identified as queer, and her community was was not very kind to her. It was a very toxic situation. Now, fortunately, and I'm really glad for this, she was able to leave that community, that toxic community, and find a community where she could be in relationship with other people and she could grow spiritually along with others. And so I totally affirm that we need to be in community with each other. It's not something we can go off and do kind of completely by ourselves. But if but if you're in a toxic community that's just that's tearing up your soul, you know what? Find a community where you can grow and flourish, and hopefully that's whole life. Yeah, come to whole. Life. And I think that's uh, and I think that's a really point well made, Melanie. I, I don't I don't think that I definitely would not say that staying in an abusive uh, relationship is you know where where there's real abuse happening there, and uh, I definitely don't think that's a good thing to stay in. I just for me where we where we would take that is I don't believe Jesus is abusive and that's who we're married to. So let's go find the Jesus in the community. And that would be my, my, my part of that. But anyway, yeah, Yeah, go find people who want to be like Jesus. Yeah. Find those people. (laughs) Sharon commented saying that we seem to be putting our beliefs on the experience and favored leaders rather than strong belief in Jesus. Mm. Thomas was still grieving the death of Jesus. His mind was clouded by sadness, and we doubt more when we when crisis affects our lives. Are we coming to God and our fellow believers when we doubt or just struggling alone? And she followed with, I'm thankful of the story of Thomas because Jesus continued to include him in the 12. But I think we just talked about that same thing is finding that community mm-hmm. and not struggling alone, finding that community who, mm-hmm. like you said, welcomes welcomes you in and wherever you are in that journey and find that community that loves Jesus and puts him first. Mm-hmm. I think that's a that's Do you a, think it's instructive that, I mean, we talk about the 12 disciples, not all 12 made it to the end. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. I mean, not all twelve made it to the end, but let's think about the one that didn't make it to that to that experience of seeing Jesus resurrected. Thomas doubted. Peter denied Jesus. John 
you know, John was John seemed a little arrogant to me. <laughs> um, you know, we can go through all the disciples. They all abandoned Jesus. All of them ran away in yep. the Garden of Gethsemane. So it's instructive to me that the only one, <laughs> the only one that doesn't show up is the one that chose to completely disengage themselves from that experience. The, the person who of their own, Jesus didn't, I think it's really important to remember this, that Jesus not, did not say to Judas, go commit suicide. He did not do that. Jesus didn't say, I'm not going to forgive you. Judas made that decision. Judas chose to do those things. And and so, you know, for those who are willing to, you know, what Melanie said the other day, which is hold on to Jesus' you know, feet and beg him to bless you and hang on, whatever that's going to look like, Jesus has, you know, Jesus had a lot of grace for Thomas, Peter, all of them. I think Jesus would have had grace for Judas if Judas would have, mm-hmm. oh yeah, if yeah. Judas would have gone ahead and and done what Peter did, which was come around and have that heart to heart with Jesus on the beach. Yeah. Mm. Our next one comes from Question, which I love that they changed their name to Question in the chat. That's uh, that's about as good as it gets. The whole point of salvation is for those who believe. Should we not focus on believing? I wonder what I wonder what question means by focusing on believing. Because I think again this comes to our definitions of belief. You can't make yourself believe something. Either you believe it or you don't believe it or you're not sure about it. Like those are really the three options that I can think of. And so I don't think you can psych yourself up into believing. Yeah. Sometimes the process of getting to believing is going through the not sure mm. and processing through all of that to 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 hopefully arrive at a place where you believe, but you can't force yourself to believe something. So then let me go ahead and take question side of things here. What is what does the Bible mean when it says, uh, you know, when the disciples tell others, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved? Well, so, I mean, it doesn't say doubt in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, so... No, but I'm reminded of the guy who came to Jesus, and Jesus told him, all these things are possible if you believe, and he says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Like, if you average out the belief and the unbelief, he was probably (laughs) somewhere in the realm of doubt. And Jesus, that was enough. That was enough, because he was open. He said, help me. And I think that if, if, if you want to believe, but you're not sure you believe, but you're still reaching out, God can figure that out with us. Yeah. To me, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ is is pretty fundamental. I think I think though to go I, I I do agree with what Melanie's saying, but when Jesus is talking about eternal life, he says, and this is eternal life that you may know God and his son Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And that knowing words, that word of intimacy, that word of really knowing, of, of being in relationship. And so when we talk about believing in Jesus, we're talking about being in a relationship with Jesus. And, you know, what does it take to be married? Well, you must believe in your spouse. You would view it a little bit differently. You say you need to know your spouse. You need to be in relationship with your spouse. And when I look at the Greek in the context of the word that believe, for me, there's a lot more of relationship involved in that than just some kind of concrete, blind, well, believe, done. 
it indicates this, to me, ongoing relationship with Jesus, not a set of doctrines, but a person. And so I think that's pretty important. I think sometimes we get hung up a lot on the details and, and miss out on the stu- substance of Jesus. Okay. The yeah, person I think, and the process. Yeah, I do think, I mean, he says to Jairus, do not fear, only believe. And Jairus, all Jairus could do is follow him at that point. Jairus didn't know what he was going to do. He was, this is on the way to his house where his daughter is already pronounced dead. Jairus did not know. I, I think that it, it is goes back to what uh, Melanie, you said, just faith and or uh, belief and doubt are just part of that whole equation. It's just going to be part of it. So when we say believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's it. it just follow. Hang on. That's a mm-hmm. tough one because I think when we think about that and you always think, is my relationship, do I know Jesus? Is it deep enough for me to know Jesus the way that I would even prefer? Like my yeah. preference level would be for this great relationship with Jesus, but not knowing what he is truly truly about. I mean, well, let's face it. We don't really know God, Jesus. We, we don't know that much in our minds of what they truly are and or, or what it could be. And so there's always that little bit of doubt, like, well, I, I could probably do more. But we can I could still do something f- different. follow. Yeah. yeah, but but the following. I, yeah. And I do think that, to Ken's point, I do think that when the closer you get, the less doubt there is that Jesus is who he says he is. And I wonder sometimes if that if that part of believing to say there's no doubt in my mind that Jesus is who he said he was, you know, who he said he is. And I think there's a certain comfort in that to know that this is my belief. Now, where's some of the other stuff lands that maybe I just don't comprehend. I've grown less weary or scared of those things over time. Yeah. I'm not going to predict what Jesus is going to, God's (laughs) going to do. We can't do that. That's the part that I think that is about faith, but but knowing that my life is better as I follow him and, and as I continue to believe and still have, yeah, do I have doubts about how I'm going to do that or how what's going to happen? Yeah. Sure. But, yeah. All right. Doubting, doubting says, amazing sermon. Is it wrong to ask God for proof? Wrong. Well, I thought we. I thought you already answered that. One. Yeah, did I did. I mentioned this. I, I I found the word wrong really interesting. Yeah. I I don't think it's a matter of right or wrong. I think when you're in relationship with someone and you have questions, you ask the person the question. If you're afraid to ask the question, then maybe you have uncertainty about the relationship itself. I think. I think that God can handle whatever you know, questions we that's, ask. That's that comes up in a psychodynamic way too. Um, a lot of times when we get asked a question. We're assuming that the person's doubting us or mm. insecure about us mm. or, um, you know, we have fallen short. Maybe they're just looking for clarity. Maybe they're just finding some ways to, hey, I, I want to I trust you more. Hmm. Can you answer my question? <laughs> I like that. I like that. We are, we're running late, but mm-hmm. stick with this. We're almost, we, uh, most of what we have left are a few comments, but I do want to touch on them. ALBJ said, I always liked comedian Mark Lowry's bit about deciding it was okay to question or doubt God inquisitively, but don't question accusationally. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Is there, I mean, even though that's a comedian's bit though, is there something different about coming at God from two different ways, whether it's truly, I want to know. Truly a question or just making a statement. <laughs> or, or making a statement. Or yeah. or is 
the pursuit of God in any way, whatever our mood or whatever our emotions might be, is it equally? I would say pursue God however you can pursue God. And if that means you have to run after him accusingly for a while, <laughs> then just do it. The psalmist did it. And Job did it. Job yeah. did Lots it. Of Lots did of people it. did it. People have argued with God for thousands of years, and God seems to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Sharon came back with, we can believe that there are answers to all our doubts, thank the Lord. And that's right there showing a little bit of certainty, and I like it. Anonymous, what also comes to mind is love thy neighbor as thyself. Maybe we all need a reminder of that. <laughs> it couldn't hurt. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be answers to everything. Yeah, Anonymous, I agree. Just because of our own limited minds. Uh, Ken asked, Melanie, in your research, what are the most common reasons people are done or almost done? Well, there's a list of reasons why people are done or almost done. Some people go through um, major deconstruction processes where they have to ask themselves questions about what they thought they believed. Some people deconstruct their relationship with their institution. Does the institution reflect you know, the kinds of values that I hold for myself? Do they reflect the God that, that I believe in? You know, some people have to deconstruct their picture of God. Is wait a minute, is the God that I have been, you know, given the one that the one that I believe is is existing, or is this just a representation of what someone thinks God is? Other people leave because they see a lot of hypocrisy in church. They see moral failures of especially of leaders. They see say people talking about loving their neighbors and then treating their neighbors like garbage. They see people being exclusionary. That's a big one. They see people mistreating the LGBTQ community. They see people, you know, going through, uh, or, or people might go through a divorce or something like that, and that divorces them from their community. There are a lot of different p- reasons why people leave. Uh, some it's it's sometimes it's deconstructing their beliefs, and sometimes it's situational. Sometimes they've been hurt by the church, so there are a lot of different pe- reasons why people leave. And I think, has anyone ever walked out and said that church just loved me too much? I had to get out. I have not come across that person in my research yet. So I thought this was maybe the best. Uh, That crazy coyote who's with us every single week, and I'm not sure who you are. But um, But a great name. But what a great great name. name. And I appreciate seeing you in the chat every week. There's always good comments or questions. Said everyone needs to hear what we've just heard. Hashtag thankful. And I thought that was uh, that he or she was definitely dialed in there. Uh, Anonymous said, I think we've become a society both in the church and outside the church that feel we can judge and post and know what any individual is going through at any given time. Like maybe somehow we've we've learned enough. We've come together as a society with, you know, knowledge increasing at a rapid rate in the Internet and everything else that, you know, we can just figure these out and we can just divide people up and put them in those categories. But I hope that as a society in a church, I hope that anonymous that it, if you've ever been to whole life or if you I hope you haven't felt that way, <laughs> I hope you haven't felt that way here because obviously with that many people leaving, uh, you're not wrong in that assessment. Jahimi wanted to know if the gospel truth is that powerful, why does it have to be justified and justifiable? If what we're holding on to in this and holding on to Jesus, why does it have to be justified and justifiable? I'm not sure I completely understand the question. Um, yeah, I'm not exactly sure if she's saying. I don't. That's a that's an interesting question. Um, I'm not sure if it is justifiable sometimes. But. Yeah, 
It almost sounds like speaking for God sometimes when like, what's the, what's the purpose of life or what's the. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know about justified, justifiable. I, and I know Jahimi listens. So mm-hmm. if yeah. you want to send us a. Read, yeah. Redo yeah. that a little G- Give bit. us a, yeah, a Send little, us a, a follow up and yeah. we'll see if we can. See if we can answer that one a little bit yeah. more directly. Okay. Last question goes to Trafina. What can the non-doubters do to help doubters? Or do they need to do anything? Should we be concerned if we're? Is that her question? Mm-hmm. Do they need to be? Yeah. Should should they? Should the non-doubters? Should we be? Should we be searching out the doubters? Should we be giving them advice? Should we be? Well, I think we're all doubters. Right. So, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, <laughs> How think, far uh, I think everyone experiences doubt. I think yeah. that there are people who experience doubt on a more profound level. Yeah. Yeah. So, if someone is experience, experiencing profound doubt, love them. Give them space. Don't judge them. Spend time with them. Allow them to be where they are in their process. Mm, that sounds inviting. Be let, available. Let them be in community. It's yeah. fine to discuss, yeah. but don't argue with the intent to win. Yeah. Have a conversation. Share your experience by all means, but don't don't think that you're going to logic somebody <laughs> into a complete <laughs> if, change of – If you, you know, have a hard time being truly open – in the conversation, though, in other words, that's yeah. the piece. If you have a real hard time, then find somebody that might call out your blind spots. Because I think that's part of the issues is mm. we usually get into a conversation, but we do end up trying to be the attorney for whatever yeah. reason. All right. So we got through all the questions. Man, you guys threw yeah. a ton, even without Ken's questions and, and front row, Tim. We had a ton of interaction and a great, really uh, almost a subset happening every, all week this week. You know, we we always, we get asked questions, but I wanted yeah. to ask a question this week to people oh. listening. Well, And maybe even to Tim and Jeff. Okay. Tim and Jeff. Okay. So I have an idea for another podcast. Dun, 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 dun. And I'm wondering what you guys think. So like- <laughs> The funny thing is like the the one of the main things I get asked a lot is there are a lot of people who who aren't very familiar with Bible stories, like stories from the Bible. I like on a regular basis, I'm more and more finding that people have not heard stories in the Bible that um, in some cases I would be kind of things that I grew up hearing a lot. And so I have this idea I've been thinking about doing is, which is just finding different, uh, maybe random, I don't know, but Bible stories and just reading them straight from the Bible. So maybe five minutes, you know, a five minute, read it straight from the Bible. Maybe we like, Randy, you and I kind of talked about it a little bit, maybe release it on a Monday. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, you know, the four of us, then would record maybe another 10-minute discussion about that story and different ideas behind it and things like that. And then we release that on Friday. And the reason why we don't release them together is to love for people to hear the story and try to think about what the Bible's trying to say, what the point of it might be, what how could you apply it to your life. And then on Friday, we do a little bit of a talk about maybe some of the Bible background things, some of the interesting little nuances of the story that gives a little bit more depth to it. Maybe some of our takeaways personally from that story. 
That sounds like fun to me. Yeah. No, I think it's good. The other thing I was thinking is, too, we could also, if there's a specific story that somebody wanted, yeah, I mean, we could start, request. We could sure. start anywhere and yeah. then let, uh, like, man, I'd really like to know more about. And if it needs to go deeper, we could always do a three or four part series into it after yeah. And, yeah. and continue to, if it turned into. Now, if you're doing the story of Joseph, you're probably not going to do it all in five minutes. So maybe you break <laughs> yeah. it up into parts, you know? Wait, what? Not <laughs> The stories of Joseph. Yeah, yeah no, there but, you go. This but you yeah. know, that's I don't know. I'd be curious. Uh, you know, I'd be curious see what people that, see if that would fly. Yeah, yeah. People would think. What do you think? What do you think? Would that be a podcast? There's not a lot of Bible study. Period. There's a lot of Bible commentary. There's a lot of Bible angles. I think it would be. Uh, I think. Wait. Be, so would this be the family-friendly version? No, absolutely not. Okay, just wondering because we'd have to pretty much chop out all of judges. Well, which, which happens to be my favorite book chop of the Bible, is the so right that, word that will not be that will not be happening. No, this I mean this will be the version that you might want to listen to this story before you play it for your play kids. It for your you know, kids, yeah. because all and when I say that, I mean we'll just be reading the story straight out of the Bible. Well, some of so, the Bible stories. Need I know that. that's my point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some of them are. They pretty... need that little e in the corner <laughs> of the little... episode guide. <laughs> so you know, and maybe we will have find a way to say, well, this one probably is more family friendly, and this one you might want to listen to before you. Yeah, we can you know, definitely. You might not just want to play it randomly in the car with your child. Well, let, uh-huh. let us know. Podcast at wholelife.church or 407-965-1607. Let us know. Give us your feedback. And this would be something we'd probably start, you know, we thought maybe at the beginning of next year or, maybe. you know, if it was, if it was. I like, mean, if we heard from a lot of people being like, oh, please start this right away, then I don't know. Yeah, but we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We've got an open mind to things. And I don't, I don't, I don't need to put another podcast and give Randy more work to do <laughs> or Melanie or Jeff. I just, it just kind of hit me. I just thought, man, I think that. You know, some of the Bible stories that I just kind of grew up hearing all the time have not been done in a more modern way that makes it accessible for for people today. And I, I don't know, just just a thought. Yeah, good thinking. I don't know. You can tell he's had some time. You know, yeah, off. had some time off. He, I know. He's been pondering. <laughs> I told you, you man. I come up with some of my best ideas on vacation. You came back a different man. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> Sorry. No problem. I'll be happy to take more time, time off, off to, do, to figure these things out. I'm trying just, to, next time I use things, since I'm getting cranky and angry, Randy, just tell me. I'll take, <laughs> I'll take some time off. All right. Well, one of the things I wanted to, to leave us with was um, uh, from the end of Melanie's message, she said, if the truth we have is so fragile when someone doubts it or asks it hard questions, then maybe we need to ask ourselves if what we have is actually truth. And if it's not, do we have the courage to trade it for a truer truth, maybe a present truth? Maybe some, maybe sometimes doubt can push us to that truer truth. And I thought, man, if there was something to leave with and something to ponder, something to think about, something, you know, if you've been struggling with that, then what a great way to think about that piece of it and maybe turning your doubt into something a little more positive and searching out. That is the second best way to end this podcast. What's the best way? It's church retreat next week. We're not going to be. Ooh, so maybe that's the third best. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I was thinking the first best would just be say, "Happy birthday, Jeff Sinkamani." Oh, oh that's right. Happy birthday, birthday. Oh, man. Oh, man, there how we quickly, go. How today, quickly. today, Tuesday, oh, Tuesday. Is, today is your actual birthday. Is, today is. Today. I'm grateful for it. You know, <laughs> I, I, we're grateful. I can't for do it. much yeah. about it, but I, <laughs> yeah. I'm grateful for it. So. Well, I'm glad you're in the same boat as the so rest of us. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. We won't sing to you. Thank you. <laughs> no. So, no, not. No, no. <laughs> Thank you, though. Thank you. So next week, as mentioned, Church Retreat with Josh Woods Josh will be Woods. our guest speaker. Yeah. We're going to be at Calaco. If you haven't heard of Church Retreat yet. Oh, this is a fun one because we do the li- the podcast live, live. there. Yes. So you can so, actually watch it being recorded. It's so we're going to do, we're going to have five people this week on the show. I got to look. I just looking at my equipment here going, we've never had five. I'm going to have to work out another thing for all of us to work this out. I talked to Abel and this year we're actually going to have some, uh, a PA system in the, A-frame. in the A-frame to try to, we're going to push it so it doesn't hopefully screw up our audio, but so that people can hear a little bit better yeah. um, in the A-frame. So if you've been there before, come early and get one of the comfortable couches or chairs. Mm-hmm. Otherwise they're full. There's like other just, not so comfortable chairs that you have to pick in from the back. And um, last year, I mean, the A-frame was full. It was. And so come early, and I think it's, I believe it's at 2.30. I I have to look at it, but you'll find out. You'll find out. And if you haven't signed up for church retreat, um, sign up is closed at this point, but you can come up for Sabbath. So you can drive up. You're just going to need to pack your own lunch or make other alternative lunch plans because the uh, cafeteria is already sold out, all that gone um but that's but if, until the 23rd right For, yeah you you, did, did you put the qr code on the website can people there is right on the yeah. website there still Whole is Church. yeah i've already updated the website yeah, as so we're people recording can go there and register Whole for the day Church. Yep. first yeah. just for the day and but then you do have to bring your own lunch. yeah and that's open until the 20 i think that form is open until the 23rd, the 23rd. and after Church. that if you just show up well i guess and you just show up you just show up but we'd rather you sign up at wholelife.church Someone might sh- no. Nobody's going to shun you for just Nobody up. will shun you, but we'd love it if you'd <laughs> sign up at Whole Life Dot Church. church. <laughs> and right now, that is uh, if you've Church. If you've been to the website, the carousel that runs, that is the first thing when you go to the web page right now is Whole that form. Church. So you just go there, very top of the page, and Whole you can church. get there. So. We will see you all at Church Retreat. Come and watch in the A-frame. And uh, you can walk right up to the mic and ask your question. You don't have to text them in. Just walk right up to the mic, and then you'll be on the show. So you want to be on the show? Come to Church Retreat. Come to the A-frame. See you all at Kalakwa. I put you first. I mean, just just as a, you know, don't. Man, if you're still with us at the end of this podcast, (laughs) you probably deserve some kind of medal. Extra credit. I am truly amazed if you are. Oh, yeah.